Do you remember how that we learned to date things from a historical perspective? That all of time has been divided into a certain year B.C. before Christ or a certain year A.D. Anno Domini, the Latin meaning in the year of our Lord. Well, I have an idea that going forward we're going to probably have a new dating system. Certain things will have happened in a certain year B.C. before COVID and a certain year A.C. after COVID. It's hard to believe. It's been a year since we were able to do things normally in our world. It's been a year since we've been able to do the things that we have done all of our lives. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, well, anyway, you get the idea. Whether it's buying groceries, gathering for a holiday like Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's, or whether it's coming together to worship God. Things haven't been normal in a year. It seems like finally there might be some light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not going to be the light of an oncoming train. You know, I've often said that sometimes I see a light at the end of the long tunnel and by the time it gets, I'm too far into the tunnel to turn around, I hear the train whistle. But I don't think that's going to be the case. It seems like nationally, the number of active cases is on the decline. Things are starting to open back up. Restaurants in Texas are allowed to open to 100% capacity now. And more and more people are either fully vaccinated or they've had one of the shots or they're partially vaccinated. And along with our vaccinations and along with our new sense of responsibility, more and more people after a year of confinement are looking at um, a new fitness craze they might need to get involved in. People are thinking now about eating healthy and exercising. Be physically fit. You know, eat right, lose weight, exercise, that sort of thing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not working out real well for me. But to say that Americans as a whole are caught up in a fitness craze would probably be an understatement. You know, you've got Anytime Fitness deal, you've got Planet Fitness, you've got all these gyms that you can get a membership in. There are all kinds of books and diets on the market today. You've got books and you've got government publications that tell you what to eat and what not to eat. They tell you what's good for you and what's bad for you. They tell you what you need to do to stay healthy. And you know, if you start reading all of this, you'll find out most of them contradict each other. It almost makes you realize or believe that Mark Twain was right. Mark Twain said, be careful about reading health books. 
you might die of a misprint. One book says, stay away from red meat and eggs. Another book says, always eat lots of meat and protein and eggs are not bad for you. One authority says, caffeine is a no-no. And another one says, it's helpful for you. I have one doctor that told me I need to drink decaffeinated coffee. I have another doctor that told me that he didn't, wasn't worried about how much caffeine I drank in my coffee. Guess which one I like the best. Absolutely. But you just, you don't know who to believe. You turn on the television. Turn it on at any time, but especially if you can't sleep some night, turn it on and see the latest infomercial on the latest fad. And I especially like the names they have for some of those products they're trying to sell. You know, like the Thigh Master or the Abdominizer or the Gut Be Gone or something like that. And most of these things, you listen to the announcer, you need to purchase the Abdominizer, the Thigh Master, the Gut Be Gone. And it comes with a training video. And wait, there's more. For the first 50 callers, they're going to include absolutely free. The Elvis Presley Guide to Nutrition, the later years. You might sweat to the oldies with Richard Simmons. You remember who he was. But then again, you might prefer Billy Joe Jim Bob's County Line Aerobics. But whichever one it is you're getting, they all promise the same thing. You follow their plan, and you're going to be physically fit and thin. In a matter of days. Even with this COVID that we've gone through the past year. There's been all kinds of contradicting advice. And a lot of times that contradicting advice was coming from the same person. One week, well, there's no need to wear a mask. We went from no need to wear a mask, but even if you're vaccinated, you need to wear two masks. Now, in what parallel universe does that make any sense? We're told we must social distance a minimum of six feet. Did you know that this week they've just come out and said three feet's plenty? There's a new CDC guideline. Three feet of social distancing is all you have to worry about. Which one's right? No mask or two masks? Split the difference and wear one. Three feet? Six feet, if you've been vaccinated and you've been vaccinated, can we sit next to each other on the bus? We can sit next to each other, jammed up side by side on an airplane. But oh no, folks, you cut the socially distance if you, if you go to church or to an athletic event. Most all of this conflicting advice is why they call it the practice of medicine. Now let's think about this concept of health for a moment. Because when you hear the word health, when somebody says to you about something about your health, what's our first instinct? Our first instinct is we're going to think about our physical health. Because up until just a few short years ago, as far as the mind was concerned, there were only two kinds of people. People that were sane and people that were insane. And at one time, and it hasn't been that long ago, 
The treatment for the insane bordered on being downright barbaric. Most times they were locked away where they would not be dangerous. Thankfully, we have come to the realization that there are different degrees of mental illness. And we have also learned that oftentimes such illnesses can be successfully treated and cured. We've even learned a great deal in recent years about emotional illness. We know that a person can be healthy physically, and they can be healthy mentally, and they can be ill emotionally. And tragically, some emotional illnesses are of such an extent that individuals cannot even live normally or happily. But we're also learning that there is another area of illness. Someone we should be, something we should be vitally concerned about. Someone can be physically, mentally, and emotionally sound. And at the same time, they can be spiritually sick. You know, it's refreshing to live in a day and age with so many wonder drugs as we have today. Maybe you've lived too long on a diet of donuts and Twinkies. Or maybe your problem's been too much Alfredo sauce or the genes you got handed down to you from Uncle Alfredo. Fortunately, Lipitor or some other wonder drug on the market today can take care of that pesky cholesterol problem that you have. And thankfully, with modern technology and wonder drugs and things like Lipitor, you can take care of that pesky cholesterol problem without the anguish of going to the gym to do it. But maybe your problem hasn't been that it's been too much coconut pie or too much German chocolate cake. No problem. An extra glipizide tablet or an injection of trulicity or an insulin shot, it'll take care of that annoying little blood sugar issue that you've got. We've got drugs for blood pressure, drugs for thick blood, drugs for thin blood, drugs for depression, drugs for anxiety, drugs for infections. You think of something that can go wrong physically, most likely there's a pill or a liquid or a cream or an injection or an infusion that will take care of it. You know, I find myself sometimes sitting around and contemplating things and wishing that there were some wonder drugs for the soul. Maybe a tablet folks could take to increase commitment. Or maybe a capsule that someone could swallow for attitude. 
or maybe an injection that would give a person a good dose of brotherly love or kindness or consideration. Or maybe there would be some kind of cream or ointment or infusion for such very different maladies as hatred and sorrow and pride and fear and guilt and indifference. It's a wonderful thing that we have these wonder drugs for physical and mental and emotional illnesses. But the worst, most debilitating disease that there is, is spiritual sickness. The words of our text this morning come from the Apostle Paul to his young protege, young timid Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verses 7 and 8. Refuse profane and old wives' fables. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is. And of that which is to come. I personally like the way Philip's translation puts it in that passage. Philip's translation puts it this way. Take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. That's what I want us to think about for just a few moments. Things that can keep us spiritually fit. Some of the wonder drugs for the soul. Things that can cure Soul sickness. You know, Jesus had some dealings with those who were spiritually sick with pride. And sometimes we need a good dose of humility. We mentioned in our Bible class this morning that rich young ruler. The stories in Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke 18. It says this young man came running to Jesus. And I can see him... As I said, I can see him eagerly come running and he falls down at the feet of Jesus and he says, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Thou callest me good. There is none good but God. But if thou would enter into life, Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? Jesus said, Honor thy father and thy mother and so forth. And he enumerated them for him. And the young man said, I've kept these from my youth up. What do I lack yet? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, you go and you sell all that you have and you give the money to the poor and you come and follow me. And as I can see that young man come running to Jesus so eagerly and smiling and ready to, what must I do? I see him hang his head and I see him shuffle away. Because the Scripture says he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions this young man wanted heaven that's why he came to Jesus he wanted a richer fuller life that's why he came to Jesus he had kept the commandments he had lived a good moral life but he was missing something that he wanted Jesus could look into his heart just like he can look into mine and yours and looking into his heart Jesus saw in that young man 
the pride that he had in his possessions. You look through the gospel stories and you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ never objected to a man's wealth except when that wealth gave that man or that woman a false sense of security or a false sense of importance. And knowing the pride that that young man had in his possessions, Jesus said, if you want to be complete, you sell what you've got and come follow me. Or look again at the lesson on humility Jesus taught in that parable of the Pharisee and the public in Luke chapter 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a publican. And the Pharisee stood and he prayed and he says, God, I thank Thee I'm not as other men are, unjust, extortioners. Even like this publican, I, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of everything I possess. And oh, he's congratulating God and telling God how fortunate God is that he's got such a loyal, faithful, dedicated servant as that Pharisee. And this publican stands off in a corner by himself. He won't look up toward heaven. He just smote his breast and he said, God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And what does Jesus say? What's the verdict Jesus pronounces? He said, this man, this publican, he went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. And then Jesus says, here's the reason. Everyone that exalteth himself shall be humbled. He that humbleth himself, he shall be exalted. Sometimes, God has a way with dealing with our pride. Sometimes God has a way of putting us on our knees. Sometimes hard experiences come into our lives to make us humble. I think about Peter. Jesus had to deal with Peter's pride before Peter could become the great preacher of Pentecost. Jesus said, you're going to all be offended in me. Peter said, Lord, the others might, but I won't. Lord, I will never deny You. I will never be offended. Lord, I'm ready to die with You, Peter said. And Jesus just looked at him. He said, Peter, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me thrice. And it happened just like Jesus said. Peter denied the Lord. The third time, he actually denied Him and cursed and he swore. And then he looked up and he saw Jesus. Jesus never said a word. Jesus just looked at him. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Peter went out and he repented. And Peter came back humbled and became the great preacher of Pentecost. There's another wonder drug for the soul. It's called truth. Not the acceptance of biblical truth, but the acceptance of the truth about ourselves. As Robert Burns, the Great poet of Scotland said, Oh, would some power the gift to give us to see ourselves as others see us. 
Remember David? He decided not to go to battle. He decided to stay home. And he's taking a walk on the roof of the palace. And he sees a young woman bathing. And he sins for her. And he commits adultery with her. And she's with child because of David. And then he adds to the sin of adultery, murder. And he has her husband murdered. But David doesn't see what he's done. But then God's man Nathan comes to David. And God, as man Nathan, tells David the story of about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man that had great flocks and this poor man that had just one little lamb. And the rich man had company coming, but instead of taking one of his herd, he took this poor man's one lamb and killed it to serve to his company. Oh, David was indignant. The man ought to be put to death. And Nathan broke his heart. When he looked at David and said, Thou art the man. And when God's man Nathan brought David's sin to his attention, David saw the truth of himself. He saw himself as he really was. And it healed his sick soul. The Bible promises us. The Bible promises us unequivocally God will forgive our sins. He'll do it. But we must confess them. We have to face up to the horrible, terrible truth that we have sinned. Because sometimes we don't live God's kind of life. And when we don't live God's kind of life and other folks see us not living God's kind of life, it brings reproach on the church. What image does the world outside have of the church because of how I live and how I, what I say. Forgiveness. We've got to have that in our hearts. And that will heal our soul. And there are two handles on forgiveness we've got to grab hold of. One of them is that that we have to grab hold of for ourselves. When we come to Jesus Christ cognizant of our sin and we repent of that sin and we confess His name and we're buried in the waters of baptism and those sins are washed away, we've got to lay hold on the forgiveness of our own sins that comes through the blood of Jesus. But then there's also the forgiveness that we must offer to others. How many times did Jesus say to someone, Thy sins be forgiven thee. How often do we hear Jesus say, Go thy way and sin no more. What about on the cross as He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And what about us when we say, I won't ever forgive you if it's the last thing I do. Or what about us when we say, I will get even with you someday. Mark it down. We've got to grab hold of the handle of forgiveness for ourselves but we've got to forgive others also and we've got to serve when we become selfish and we become wrapped up in self then we get sick within our soul what did James say in James 1 27 pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and keep oneself unspotted from the world Peter writes about Jesus. Peter said he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. 
Well, folks, the footsteps of Jesus lead to the fields of service. The briefest biography you're going to find of Jesus Christ is in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He went about doing good. Jesus went to the sinners to save them. He went to the sick to heal them. And He went to the lost to rescue them. In Luke chapter 22, we read of that scene at the Last Supper where Jesus is eating the Passover with the disciples. And it says, He was not as one sitting at meat. He was as one that serveth. But write it down. It's on the final exam. For the soul that's sick. The finest healing agent is the presence of God. Paul speaks about it in Philippians 4. And Paul speaks about the presence of God being the peace of God that passes understanding. And that wasn't theory with Paul. That was knowledge. Think about his trip to Rome in Acts chapter 27. When that hurricane blew up, the ship was about to break in pieces. They were throwing the cargo overboard. They threw the tackling of the ship overboard. They went for two weeks without even being able to eat or drink. And Then Paul comes up on deck one day and he says, Folks, listen to me. Be of good cheer. Because God has promised me He'll see us through. God has promised me there will be no lives lost from this ship. I've seen the face of God. I've heard the voice of God. And God said, He'll see us through this storm. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, as Paul is writing the last letter that's been preserved for us, he suffered so many things. In chapter 12 of verse, or in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. Listen to it. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And then as he brings that last letter to a close, He's in a cold, damp, dark prison dungeon. He's been sentenced to death. At some point, the executioner's going to come. And some of the very last words Paul writes. He says, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the God, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day. And not to me only, but to all them that love His appearing. Paul was aware of the presence of God. And if you and I are to heal our soul, we too must be aware of the presence of God. The presence of God in our lives. But for us to be aware of the presence of God in our lives, for us to have the presence of God in our lives, Jesus Christ has to be Lord and Master of our lives. And not just Lord and Master of part of our lives, but Lord and Master of all of our life. 
Because if Jesus is not Lord and Master of all of our life, wait for it. He's not Lord and Master at all in our life. And I don't know what's going on with you. But if you need to make changes, if there's something you need to do for Jesus Christ to be Lord and Master of all of your life, this is your opportunity to make those changes as together we stand and while we sing.